On the podcast today, we are going to speak about the friendship first philosophy we find in the East that has the potential to save the world from a lot of disagreement and conflict. Now, I've called this in the past the art of no debate, and I've wrote articles and made videos about this before, and Guyang and I will go into depth about this. And this is essentially uh, an part of Eastern thought, so which is uh, to avoid debate at all costs in, in some sense and to keep friendship first. And we find this still, especially in countries such as Japan, uh, but this mentality is difficult for Westerners to understand because Westerners are often encouraged to engage in debate and disagreement and conflict yes. based on individualism. Yeah, I guess it's uh, for, for a Westerner, it's hard to understand because this friendship first idea comes in even the territory of uh, business as well. Yep. Whereas uh, we're in the West, I guess, in the business relationship is really purely business. Business, yeah. <laughs> As in, like, very self-interested, somewhat, and also what profit-based. Yeah. So, uh, make sure you keep the contract alive, and you make sure you um, keep the contract when you follow by it, like, yeah. like nothing else. Nothing else, yeah. Yeah, but whereas in the East is very different because they allow uh, they allow other human factors to come to place as well. Because they they almost acknowledging there are things that sometimes go wrong without anyone's expectation. Yeah. So that bring bringing the friendship first and the, any relationship first, uh, that idea actually creates the stronger bond in the yeah in the business relationship as well. Exactly, and we'll we'll mention more about contracts later. But to understand exactly what you're talking about, so people can get a greater understanding of this in the podcast is that we have to fundamentally understand that <clears throat> there's two fundamental cognitive styles in the world. There's the Eastern cognitive style and the Western cognitive style. Now, this idea that the West have that there's one universal way of thinking is completely false. And there's been extensive studies of this. And we know this. You're an Easterner, I'm a Westerner. There has been cultural differences, mm -hmm. and even in our relationship. Mm -hmm. But we've reconciled all of those over the years we've been married and whatnot. And people do reconcile these, as what you said, with the friendship first philosophy. Yes. Uh, so, but to get deeper into it, if we, to understand these two different cognitive styles, both Easterners and Westerners develop differently due to environmental factors. So in the, in the West, you had cultures coming out of Greece. Greece was kind of like the heart of Western thought or Western cognition. And in Greece, you had, due to the environment, people had more individualistic uh, activities. And yes, I mean, they were doing mainly um, fishing, which you don't need a big, uh, large community. It's more individualistic um, uh, way to get food. Yeah. And also wheat cultivation is not like um, a rice cultivation. You don't need a lot of labor. Hunting. Yeah, and hunting, yeah. yes. So that sort of uh, natural environment factors as well. Yeah, if, of course. And so that de that helped develop an individualistic uh, perspective of the world, which in Europe actually influenced their religions, the way that they understand and mm -hmm. the way that they crafted their religions, their philosophies, and their actual general worldview. And that's in this part of the brain, in the prefrontal cortex, So, which is what we... in co in 
cognitive science, we would call cold cognition. So these are the cognitive control centers. So when you're very individualistic, you are applying the cognitive control centers because you're trying to control your environment. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. We're not saying that it's a bad thing because there are two, two cognitive styles. Uh, and two different cultures around the world developed uh, applying more of that one of, of the other, right? So as you were mentioning in the East, in China and India, who both are the heart of uh, Eastern culture, rice cultivation was big. And so in rice, when you have rice cultivation, you need large you know, amounts of people. And so you had a very community-based uh, society, which then their focus then is on the, the ethics of community and divinity. Yes. As opposed to the ethics of autonomy, which is with individualism. And so then you have reflected into the Eastern culture the philosophies and the religions that they have. So you have Hinduism, Buddhism, and Taoism, which are all holistic uh, traditions. Yes. And so they have a holistic worldview. And so, which is related to the hot cognition. So all of these uh, unconscious regions of the brain, the intuitive parts of ourself, they, I can open and close my hands and so forth and so on. So the very naturalistic yes. perspective. And so, in the West, they had the analytic. This in this part, you, you're applying more of the analytic perspective, and so, hence, you know, in in Europe, mm. science became, a, yes. you know, it was born yes. due to the analytical mind. Mm-hmm. But then, over in the East, you had a lot of spiritual traditions, yes. community-based societies, and so, like I said, there's no difference there. They both. We need both parts of the mind. Yes. But the thing is, and, and some Westerners may get annoyed at me saying this, but the natural part of our cognition is the holistic cognition. Mm. Uh, we're only supposed to employ the analytical part of our mind conservatively. Yes. You know, so, and, and a lot of Westerners get mad at that because mm. their, their whole culture coming from Europe was built on mm. rational thought. Yeah, not always, let's say in the last 300 years, right? So. Yeah, well, that's the actually um, beginning of the problem. Once you start um, employing only one side of cognition, isn't it? So things can become overly analytical Mm. or things can become overly um, intuition-based, right? So we need to be able to apply these two different cognitions conservatively and, and correctly and appropriately appropriately at on the right circumstance the right situation yeah and it relates to Taoism you know like the concept of yin and yang right so like in a Tao Te Ching Lao Tzu says you know know the yang or know the masculine but stick embrace the yin or the, or the feminine meaning the holistic natural part of yourself which is just comfortable you know, being itself and, and not in activity all the time yes. and, and, and apply young only a little bit yes. when needed, right? So that's the, that's the nature of how our mind actually functions. Sometimes people say when um, people need to make a kind of big decision, you need to trust your gut feeling. Yeah. Again, that gut feeling is from that whole co- cognitive um, area. Yeah. That's what we were talking about, that um, strong intuitive sense that sometimes we need to actually respect. Of course. 
and I don't think a lot of people do respect it these days, but, <laughs> but that's actually the naturalness we have deep inside of us. Yes. And so what you have in the modern world is you have this over-analytical generation of people developing that are ignoring the naturalness of themselves yes. or in some sense trying to suppress the naturalness of themselves. Yes. And we see this, this is becoming very popular in the modern day. Mm. And also, I just wanted to mention, in, even in language difference, that we can see this as well, because yep. in the, a lot of um, Western languages, including um, English and some European languages, are basically based on very linear term, right? Because it's always the subject comes first. Mm. So that is to show, again, the, how individualistic the uh, languages themselves are, actually. Mm. Whereas a lot of um, Asian languages are actually, as you know best that we explain um like the circumstance or situation first and then uh what happened comes after yes so it's always about kind of the whole uh landscape of what you're trying to explain comes in first in the in the language yes. the structure of language is like that so that's how um, easterners communicate mm -hmm. I think that's why sometimes um, some um, situation happens that lost in translation a little bit. Yeah, yeah there's a difference in a language that uh, that's coming from the difference of uh, culture. Yeah, that's a great point because that pinpoints two characteristic differences between the West and the East, right? Cognitively, like we talked about the the analytical mind and the holistic mind, where in the West, the hallmark of Western thought is, is categories and objects. Yes. So the mind categorizes and, and sees it and has an objectified view of the world, right? Whereas the East is focused on context and relationships. Mm -hmm. As you said, like when in language, mm -hmm. it's all about context. Mm -hmm. And I've seen personally people say to a Chinese person, you know, hurry up and get to the point because the way that they speak English is still infused with how they think in Chinese. Yes. So they start explaining everything else, else. but the point mm. of what they're trying to get to. But actually in Chinese it makes sense because everyone's cognitive style is like that. And that's actually how the language has developed as you mentioned. Mm. It's it's a you know it's a roundabout language. Yes, it's not yes. like a, a directional linear. It's a non-linear language. It's it's more natural. So you speak about context and relationships. And we explained this on a previous podcast as we said when someone ask someone you know can you tell me who you are and so if you ask someone in the west if you say can, you know who are you they will say they'll explain their job and everything like this you know everything about themselves but if you if you ask an easterner they'll talk about their mom and dad their grandma and grandpa the community they're from it's built more on a, a holistic perspective yeah because their the identity is based on the the people around them. Yes. Yeah, that's how they identify themselves. Yes. So that's, yeah, first thing that we say. I'm my my parents are doing this sort of jobs, and like I have um, how many siblings and this and that. um, yeah, that sort of thing. So that those sort of uh, relational aspect comes in first when they identify themselves as to explain who they are. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the big things in the world today that, I, and even I struggle with this, as you know, like I say, for example, I post something online, right? 
like on one of the social media networks. And so like, you know, I can, I just post things that are interesting to me apart from my work. Right. And so I'll post something and then this is all Westerners, mind you, no Easterners have this problem, but the Westerner has a view of you of a category. Mm. Like they've put you in a box, they've pigeonholed you, like you're on the shelf and you should only be like this. They don't understand that individuals are nuanced. You see, the East understand individuals are nuanced. They have nuance, right? Like, and that's the whole point of Taoism, Buddhism and Hinduism is that the ego is not a solid state. I mean, the person naturally is not a solid state. No. It's, it's, doesn't have form. Yes. So it doesn't have a category and object. You know what I mean? Yes. And so, and I find this really strange because like I'll post things online and then I get a lot of blowback from Westerners who, who think that I should just be about this topic and, and that's it without understanding that, hey, that's an individual too. They have nuance and they have, you know, they have flavor, they have color, they are in the motion of change with the universe. It's a really strange way of thinking, right? And, and the problem in, particularly in, in America, I'm finding is, and, and I get this because we have a, a large American audience, is they can't get outside of that way of thinking or that way of seeing. And so what you have in America is you have a bunch of people disagreeing with each other mm-hmm. because they've pigeonholed everyone. They've put them into a category. Oh, he is like this and that. Oh, so he must be a right-wing person or a left-wing person. And, and they, they completely forget mm-hmm. about nuance. We're not like a book subject. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Humans are not like a book subject. We are complicated creatures. And so the East appreciate the, the complexity of a human being and, and that's why they embrace, because of holism, context and our relationships. Mm. And a lot of people get frustrated with me. I've had this on live streams where they'll ask me a question which is very linear mm. and just has like one sort of point to it. And I will say to them, I, I need more context because I, it's hard to actually answer something that is linear about someone you don't, you've never met. So I don't know their character. I don't know like their tendencies. It's impossible for me to give an accurate answer. Yes. So, and this is a, becoming a big problem because every, especially everyone outside of say uh, the Western world or let's say America, for example, who don't have that cognitive style have to deal with th- those people superimposing that cognitive style on cultures that don't have that cognitive style. Yes, yes. It, it's really frustrating. Yeah, yes, it is very frustrating. That's I think the one of the I'm um, the one of the there are many problems of uh, just following western cognitive styles, but that is one of the big problems I think. They sometimes like in a, some sort of cultural shell, mm. they live in that shell, mm. they can only see the world from that perspective and mm. they can't break out of that shell. Mm. And that is at I think uh, Western individualism at at worst at a very extreme level uh, that sort of a problem occurs and when you only be able to see that sort of cultural isolation that what happens is that there is a misleading misguiding of uh, certain information and that misleading misguiding information causes unnecessary conflicts and that's what's exactly happening around the world mm-hmm. 
that extreme uh, Western individualism, actually that we, it is a Western culture it could, because it came from the West, but nowadays it is happening in the East uh, Asian countries as well, that this individualistic culture it, it comes to your territory and you overly identify with that uh, way of thinking. Yep. And completely dis, uh, uh, discarding like yeah, like you said context and uh, in terms of what are you talking about this yeah. kind of uh, in, inquiring the question mm -hmm. instead of just head first jumping onto whatever topic <laughs> it is and make a quick judgment mm. that's happening around the world whether you're Asians or Westerners nowadays yeah. and that sort of misguiding and misleading of a certain information only uh, creates more misunderstanding yeah. and that misunderstanding creates more conflict whereas if you did understand correctly at the first place that conflict didn't happen didn't have to happen at all right yeah, it's so unnecessary exercise unnecessarily we spend so much energy into just this again unnecessary argument and debate over something based on complete misunderstanding exactly well, the Easterner would not even make a comment or not engage. Like if it was something that they didn't have total understanding or even if they disagreed with it, there wouldn't be a tendency cognitively to go, oh, I'm going to prove my point here. Now, that has developed a little bit in the East, but like naturally it wasn't like that, let's say, 100 years ago. Particularly, I mean, you know, we'll use Japan as a big example during this podcast, but the Japanese are generally not don't have those inclinations they just will see a post if they just dis personally disagree on an individual level they there's nothing for them to say about it but you know with those westerners <laughs> they got to wield their opinion they got to cancel you they got to shut you down so you fall in line with their way of thinking it is a sense of insecurity yes you see and this is why the eastern view is a grown-up view and the western view in some sense is a little bit immature yes because there's a sense of insecurity. Yes. There is that insecurity that people don't... They See, in the West, people, they think that we should all think the same, mm. right? Where the East has understood from the get-go yes. that people think differently. Mm. And we need to actually respect that. Yes. You need to be secure in the fact mm. that all people around the world all think differently. Even within one culture, people think differently. Exactly. Are you comfortable with that mm. are you secure enough in your own being to appreciate and acknowledge that that's where we have to get to in a sense of maturity yes and so that's kind of a good segue to what you were originally talking about with contracts right so the difference between contracts between west and east as you said like the the western contract is solid it's in mm. concrete mm. right where in the east a contract is a tentatively agreed upon guide for the future yeah that's what it is so that's how it is right that's what it actually is so you and i are in, in a contract but it's like well if trouble occurs then we can kind of yeah find a way out to yeah. solve the problem exactly mm. exactly and so we'll, we'll we'll talk about one example right like say this example was between japan and australia mm. and uh, the prices of sugar dropped dramatically in the world and so japan and australia had this agreement with with sugar distribution you know australia yeah. produces lots of sugar, uh, lots of sugar yeah. right and so 
what happened was because of the drop in in the world market, uh, Australia re- refused to negotiate the the price. You know, so they refused to negotiate the price of sugar. Uh, and their view, and so from the Japanese perspective, because of friendship first, they were of the opinion that, of, of course, we, you'll help us out here. You know, yeah. you'll help us out in this thing. But it, Australia were like, no, but we have a contract in place. Yeah. And, and from the Australian perspective, they thought that the Japanese were purely self-serving and self-interested. But this is not the case, actually, because in Japan, this is actually how business operates inside japan between customer and and uh, and supplier and there's one famous uh, example is the movie industry in in japan where so when it snows in in tokyo for example and you know it can snow and snow and snow (laughs) and so the the theater owners struggle immensely through these very cold periods because there's a the drop in audience actually goes dramatically down, and what and the the amazing thing actually is between the film distributors and the theater owners is that the film distributors will compensate the theater owners during that period of time yeah. because there's an understanding that as you mentioned if 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 we have kind of this loose guide for the future. It'll strengthen the bonds we have between customer and supplier. Yes. And that's actually what's good for business long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the West can't understand that because the West don't think it's cost effective to alter a contract. Yes. And you could say there's probably some point yeah. Yeah. there, right? Uh, but if you're thinking in a long term basis, yes. you're not thinking with friendship first. If you think mm-hmm. with friendship first, well, we, we could have a long-term uh, commitment from Japan here. Mm-hmm. But if we break that friendship, mm-hmm. if, 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 we sh- if the Japanese think they can't trust Australians, mm-hmm. they can just go to Brazil. They lose business. You know, so it's not a long-term, it's not a good long-term strategy. Yes. In, in that story, I see that um, how... Uh, Japanese side has such value on loyalty because mm. even the loyalty comes into place in the, even the business landscape. There again, their interest is of course business, but they think of long term relationship because they understand that that landscape of very industry. I think that's why they want to keep the relationship uh, strong, so so that business bond becomes strong as well. Yes. And in that relationship-wise, there is a certain level of trust and loyalty, being loyal to each other, whereas the Australian side of story will create too much of a a burnt bridges, basically, right? Because it's just purely uh, profit-based, yeah. The way the way they think of yeah. the business, what business should be, yeah. right? So that uh, you need to follow contract no matter what, no matter what happens in the industry and this and that. If you don't follow, well, you broke the contract. I'm gonna look for someone else. This is the logic from them, right? Yeah. So there is no such thing as a trust, loyalty, no. and thinking of long term relationship. Uh, that again, that creates too much of a, a burnt bridges, and I see that actually in a personal level as well. How people are nowadays, you know, they don't have loyalty between relationship, mm. 
in the relationship and the, even in the friendship, mm. so that there's so many uh, burnt um, friendship and relationship. Just getting torched every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's why in the end, what remains just you as in, just isolate yourself. Yeah, you know, so that you too many uh, burnt uh, relationships uh, mm. around uh, an individual, and then an individual just become so isolated so that's what i think what we see nowadays a lot that how people don't have real true rela- uh, friendship and relationship and people actually find it very difficult to find a partner for life nowadays yeah. and because of that there's a lot of people who suffer from anxiety and stress 100%. because they live in a world where they feel like they don't belong yes which we'll talk about later yeah. but what i wanted to mention before we move on is that it's ironic as you were mentioning how Australia was, you know, the, with their behavior with the contract and how they were pointing the finger at Japan saying that they were self-serving and self-interested. But who really is self-serving and self-interested? With, and from when you've come at it from a friendship first basis, the Australian side was self-serving and yes. self-interested. Yes. Now, sticking with business, loyalty and trust, a lot of people may know this, but when you do business with Chinese business people, you know they have a really good strategy the chinese and it's in how to do business right so when you go to uh, have a business agreement with a chinese person you'll you might fly to china for example and then you get in china and then you think you're going to talk strategy or you're going to talk about this new deal that you have with them and you think that this and then as soon as you get off the plane it's like let's let's head to the bar and it's like what what the hell like I mean, is this kosher? Like, mm-hmm. and so then you go to the bar, and then the strategy here is that uh, the the Chinese use this approach because what happens is it disarms your ego. You know, when you start having alcohol, and you start to downregulate this analytical part of the brain, and they know Westerners are overly analytical, mm-hmm. so they need to disarm this, and so alcohol disarms that. And then what happens when you disarm that? You, you, then you see the nature of the person, yes. which is the, the hot cognition, the holistic side of themselves. And so, and, and let me tell you, you better get your liver ready because <laughs> I mean, you get legless drunk with these with yeah, these with these deals. Especially with the Chinese alcohol, it's <laughs> up to like sixty percent. Sixty percent, you are you are flat on your face. But but this is a really good strategy because why they do it is they want to see if they can trust you. Now, they're not saying that the that the deal isn't important. But what's more important to them is loyalty and trust. Yes. They want to know that they can trust you going forward. So mm. it's based on friendship first. If they can't trust you going forward, they just don't do the deal with you. Even if the deal is an exceptional deal, yeah. they will just go, well, look, we'll just we'll go with the other guy because he was a nice guy, you know, like, and we could have a drink together and he didn't get mad at us and, and, and so forth and so on. So... And, and this is how you actually develop deeper bonds. Yes. This is why a lot of people probably know this because I'm assuming a lot of people listening and watching have had alcohol before and have been drunk possibly, uh, is that if you go out drinking, say if you go out drinking with a new work colleague, there's after that night, there's a deeper bond between... It's, it's a strange thing, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. Because what's happened is you've let your guard down, you've disarmed your ego, and then nature and nature come together and what happens there it's always friendship first yes. man. It's, it's everyone's good everyone's happy mm. a lot of people say how come i can't have that feeling when i'm drunk all the time and it's like you can mm. but you need to learn how to meditate properly you need to ha- you need to learn how to down regulate 
the analytical part of yourself, which allows your nature to shine forth. And so th- this trust and loyalty perspective of the friendship first philosophy is very important in, in all aspects of life, actually. Mm. Even I, that story just kind of remind me of some of the Hollywood uh, uh, actors talking about their own kind of story got to the, their own success. Like the story of Kevin Hart, it just kind of came to me. Like when in his career, like when everything went to toilet bowl is uh, when he had a like a wrong kind of wrong friendship and relationship around himself. When he was kind of slowly, slowly going up to the, the stardom level, the people were um, people who were around him was more so to take advantage of him, and of course they being really nice in front of him, but they had other other ulterior motive. Why? Then he got um, became having a bad relationship with the managers and this and that. Obviously, their relationship fell apart over time, and that's why what he was saying in the interview, I think it was in a conversation, was saying that it's important to keep your circle small who mm. you can trust Mm-mm-mm. that's the secret and key to success i think that's applied to all the, any other entrepreneurs or business people and that category as well like yeah. the people who became successful they had always people uh, working together so close and there's someone that you can uh, trust as a business partner or something. Yeah. that's why always close friends or in between the family they do the work they do the work together mm. so that leads to the success well Kevin's story is a little bit sad and it highlights the uh, the negative side of the western cognitive style right so because it's everyone's individualistic and self-interested, he had to behave like that. Yeah. He, he had to make his circle small. Yeah. He he learned the hard way yes. that he couldn't trust these people who came out of the woodwork and everyone's your friend when you start making money, right? Yes. Everyone becomes your friend. You haven't seen a guy for like 30 years. And he's like, hey, what's happening? And like your long lost father just appears. It's like, hey, you dad, dad, me? what are you doing? I haven't seen you since, well, I've never met you. And so... <laughs> You know, everyone comes out of the woodwork. Yeah. And so that's kind of sad because from an yeah, Eastern perspective, yeah. Yeah. The, they would say, what, you, you can't trust just everyone? Mm. E- yeah. Everyone's just not loyal. Yeah. They act like that. Mm. I mean, as you know, in Japan, the Japanese in general, like if you get outside, particularly if you get outside of Tokyo, I mean, they wouldn't understand that story mm. you said. They'd be like, what do you mean he couldn't trust certain people? Mm. We can trust everyone in the community here. Yes. You know yes. why? Because they belong in the community. Mm. See, this is the thing with the holistic cognition. You belong. When you trust, and that trust is, is actually reciprocal between each and every person, it, you belong, right? But when you live in an individualistic society, as you were mentioning before, you start build, these bridges just start burning left, right, and center. Like there's bushfires going on all around you. And then next minute, there's just you. Mm. And you live in this little shell. You're, so you have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And you have that. And they, and they, sorry, they arise from that deep feeling of not belonging. Mm. You know, and this is a problem in the West. This is why mental illness is so bad in the mm. West. Mm. Society's not co- cohesive. Mm. You know, it's not cohesive. Like where, whereas if you look in societies that operate from the ethics of community and divinity, there's a social cohesion. Yes. But like if you look in the West, mm. there's 
particularly now, mm. and I shouldn't say all Western countries, right? Like if we look at Eastern Europe, there's a lot of social cohesion. Yes. And actually, ironically, in Eastern Europe, there's a lot more sanity going on at the moment than there is in Western European countries, which if you said 50 years ago, you'd go, what are you talking about? But the, the, the tides have turned. Yeah. And so that's what happens, right? So like in the friendship first psychology of Asian countries, there is a sense of belonging because you're all on, you're not all necessarily on the same page, but you operate from the perspective is that you don't want to hurt this person. You don't want to harm them with your words or with your fists. Yes. You want them just to be as happy as possible. So you're not going to go online and disagree with someone's post, mm. you know. And so from a Western perspective, that doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, but we should debate. And what if his idea is wrong? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Mm. True. Like if you go into a Japanese boardroom or you go into a Japanese or a council, right? If someone has a disagreement, uh, they usually will uh, withhold that back, yeah. particularly if everyone else is sort of on the same page. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these boardroom meetings in Japan are actually kind of, it's already organized before they go on the boardroom, what's actually going to happen and, yeah, yeah. you know. And so you could say, well, what if the superior is not right? And it's like, well, the the, the Japanese just don't see it like a Westerner. Mm. You, and you have to you have to learn that. Mm. You have to understand that mm. that they, what they're talking about is more about the harmony of the group. Yes. And you know, even if there's one person who has that disagreement, they they will just withdraw that concern. Mm. You know, or if they raise it, they'll raise it in in more of the spirit of friendliness. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to disagreeing with the superior of the group. Yeah, well, that's right. It's working as a one unit. Yes, that's the thing. I think that's why even if um, in the board meeting they made the wrong decision, and so when the problem occurs, that also um, they also come as a as a unit. Mm. And try to solve the problem, not instead of blaming and put the fingering out to a certain individual, right? It's not, that's not uh, how they solve the problem either. No. Once you are in a unit together, then you go together no matter what, really. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at rates of mental health issues and illnesses mm -hmm. in the world, where are they primarily? They're primarily in individualistic countries yes. and developing countries such as Korea. Mm with its high rates of suicide mm. because the individualistic consciousness has come into Korea yeah. and is pressing up against the holistic cognition. Which isn't natural to uh, Korean people's DNA. No, of course not. Yeah, of it, course not. Your cognitive style is holistic. Exactly. Naturally, they aren't like that. No. But because this uh, imported the concept of individualism, it's just kind of came all in at once, just get, got thrown into those people. So they don't know how to take it. And they, they, they uh, didn't understand what was happening within themselves. And also socially, I don't think they know how to uh, deal with these problems, psychological problems in a, in a large population, actually getting more and more. Mm. So that just, they just kind of ending up um, killing themselves. Yeah, it's sad, really sad. It's yeah. really sad. But it all comes down to not belonging, man. It's a feeling of not belonging, you're not part of something. If you look at India, for example, right? Everyone, you know, when people go to India and they say it just transforms their life, mm. it's because you're out of cultures that operate from the ethic of autonomy. Yes. And you go into these countries that, have, that operate from the ethic of community and divinity. And even if you have different color skin, different color hair, different color eyes, whatnot, 
in India, you're embraced. Yes. Because they don't have concepts of like racism and stuff like that no. in, in that country. Because the foundation of Hinduism is so solidified in those mm. countries that they know that as a visitor, and this is a term in India, guest is God. Mm. And so that's why you and I, when we're just walking down the road, a random person pulls up on a push bike and says, do you want to come around for dinner tonight? And you're like, you don't know the person from a bar of soap, but it's like, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, and you go and have a great uh, home cooked meal, and and, yeah. and you make and again you solidify bonds because yes. of the friendship first yeah. philosophy. Yes, and so when people go to India, that because majority of India is particularly Hindu, that everyone's operating sort of from the same cognitive state. Mm. Even the Swadeshi Muslims mm. uh, are Indian yeah. in, in their DNA. Yeah. You know so- that's. Although, although they're Muslim, they somewhat identify with the being Hindu course, as well. Of course, that quality. That's why they have sort of their own their own form of Islam. Yes, it's it's kind of different to what you find in the yes. Middle East, and and so like there's such a bond because of this friendship first mm-hmm. philosophy, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that you don't overgeneralize that because we're talking from primarily what the cognitive state is of course mm. people have disagreements in that in, in all countries and have mm. fights we all know that you don't have to you don't have to point out the obvious but the general but generally they're operating from this perspective yes. and you know the west i know that the west usually typically don't want to learn from indigenous cultures or the east and this and that but this is something that they can learn from those types of cultures about this friendship first philosophy which is actually like imagine if this was promoted in america right at the minute mm-hmm. you could transform the whole transform the whole country instead of going out and arguing with you about your stupid political opinion why not just go and look in that person in the eye and say you know how are you today like it's a good day isn't it go back to the basics of yes. what life is about yes. like it's good it's a nice sunny day isn't it when yeah. you go and have a, a coffee or something you yeah. know like bring it back to the human level exactly Stop, yes. stop with this cleverness of having your overly exaggerated opinion and trying to get people to believe in that. Mm. That's a sign of insecurity. Yeah, 100%. You know, go out there and just be a friend to the world. It's not hard, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's not hard. Again, like as you mentioned, this uh, Westerners' ego sometimes gets in the way for the, for the better, but it's kind of a, becomes inevitable to learn from Eastern traditions and philosophy now because I think the way the world is now uh, is resulted from the extreme Western culture, Western individualistic culture, and that only got us to this such divisive society. Mm. And that divisive society just uh, driving humanity insane, really. Mm. It's so much schism in the world right 100%, 100%. now. So if we keep driving that way, what would be the end really what is their end goal yeah people? really like w- what do they really want from now you know they're insecure and they want people to all think as they do no but like this thing that like uh i got it out of your um that very out of no debate um article, article yes you're saying like how can an individual opinion be best for everyone if it is self-interested yeah no yeah exactly i mean it's pretty obvious so i mean this is a kind of common sense, isn't it? Like, it's, it's so it's too much paradox and irony within their own argument there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you really want if you don't want to learn from other cultures and, and philosophy and traditions, yeah. which definitely can get out of this bloody pool hole, mm, yeah. the situation of whole, you know, <laughs> madness, right? Yeah, yeah. And 
again, that such divisive society that we have right now is actually getting justified back by Western uh, individualist culture, yes. ironically. Yes. Right? And then the, the things, culture kind of becoming more political. Yeah. And then be, being culture become political, that obviously leads to the lack of creativity. Mm. And then there is no freedom of expression anymore, no. right? There is no real sense to the real true sense of art anymore. No. The death of um, creativity. Well, that's what political correctness did has mm. done, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's killed art, it's killed creativity. People say, why is there no great musicians anymore and this and that? Why? That? But it's because, you know, it's the, the culture, as you as you were mentioning, this politically oriented culture is killing. Yes. It, it's just killing it all, you know. And we often get asked, and I get asked a lot on the channel, like, why, why do you say certain things about, like, you know, like certain things and this and that? It's because I'm, I don't, I'm not going to tend to your psychosis. Mm. I have no interest in tending to your psychosis. Mm -hmm. the, the whole point of the channel is to speak about uh, Eastern philosophy, but also speak about it in the modern context as well and, 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 and infuse it with sometimes, sometimes, not most of the time, modern problems. Yes. And so there is this kind of mass psychosis at the moment where I think a large portion of the people, not the majority, but there's a large portion, there's a large portion of people who are mentally ill mm -hmm. and they don't even know they're mentally ill. Yes. And it comes from isolating themselves in their own worldviews mm. and their own subjectivity, mm. as you mentioned with that quote that I said. So they're, they're going around with their self-interested perspective, their own personal agenda, trying to superimpose that onto the world. And when they invariably find people who don't resonate with that perspective, that's when the mental health illness begins mm. in them because then they, they, they build they their... They fight. They fight. Mm. They're, always in the, they're always in protection mm. and always in like attack mm. modes there, there there's an ebb and flow between protection and attack right being active out there going and you know wielding your view on people but also protecting your view mm. and so you're always in a fight or flight perspective and mm. you can only develop a mental health illness because you, you think you don't belong to the world mm. the problem is not that other people disagree with you mm. it's that you hold so dearly your beliefs you've got to let your beliefs go and maybe your beliefs aren't so cool as what you think you know, there's a lot of these mind pathogens out there in the world these days that actually try to circumvent the way nature actually is, you know. And, and so we know, everyone knows intuitively, there's a natural way to the world, right? But a lot of these mind pathogens are trying to destroy these natural ways of the world, which lacks common sense. And people actually are cottoning onto this and they're saying, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to. Right. I'm not going to tend to your psychosis. Right. And so a lot of these mind pathogens that are out there, the, the real sad thing is that's what happened in the US, is the media organizations and the governments are tending to these psycho, psychopathic tendencies. Mm. But the majority of Americans don't resonate with this stuff. Yes. And they're pushing it onto the American mm. public, but they don't resonate with it because these are forms of psychosis. Yes. These mind pathogens are, de are, are growing in... Uh, impressionable minds and developing psychosis yes. within them because they then once they believe in this crap that's been churned out there by the media and the government then they think they don't belong yeah. but they do belong you know they do belong we all belong to the world we belong to the universe you know once you have too many too much crap in your mind then you start to dissociate yourself from 
each and every one around you. Again, they're overly activating this cold cognitive part that creates yeah, the too much of analytical and categorical mind that isolates us only mm. that's going to yeah cause us more problem that mass psychosis that's what's really happening yeah mm. and, pe- and people they get frustrated when you're not angry and sad with them mm. when you're happy mm. and you're okay to live your life and you understand that you have nuance and you're okay to post whatever you want mm. and live the way you want in happiness and in freedom they don't like that yeah they they don't want the best for you. Yeah, they. But that's what that's what it is. They don't want the best for you, Ryan. Yeah, you become alienated by them. By them, yeah. Yeah. So, and, but isn't that ironic? So that that really mm. uh, shows their psychosis. And so, for for you and I, and probably for most of us people listening and watching, we have no interest in tending to people's psychosis. We want them to be free, and we want them to understand themselves. Because yeah. only through understanding yourself can lead to more and more people in the world being free and peaceful yeah. and and following this friendship first philosophy yes. as opposed to arguing about the most frivolous things again those arguments and conflicts are so unnecessary, unnecessary. they completely miss the point argument really <laughs> it's true yeah it's so true mm. and the thing is that the you know the fabric of opinion itself is built on individual conditioning mm. so and this is what forms an indiv- a personal agenda yes and this is why Eastern spirituality is so important because when you're working on the deeper layers, you're starting to thin out the individual conditioning. Mm-hmm. And then you won't have so many opinions and agendas. And this is why I really find it funny, like on my social networks when I have individuals mm-hmm. who will get so mad about like a quote or this and that, but they say that they're on the path, but then they get so mad and this and that. And so that's the evidence that, oh. they're, that they're not really on the path. Yes. So... For example, a friendship first philosophy is like primarily if you were to say something, you would just be supportive. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't say anything. Oh, you wouldn't say if anything. you if you if disagree. You disagree. Yeah, of course, yeah. You wouldn't. Why, why do you have to say something? Yeah. Because you understand life at a deeper level, right? Yeah, exactly. What triggered you to be a keyboard assassin? Really? <laughs> you know? Get this in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Get this. Yeah, yeah. This will teach him. <laughs> And it's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, okay, whatever. So the difference here is that, like, if we take a friendship first philosophy, is that we're looking at uh, collective harmony over the self-interested ego, right? Mm -hmm. And don't superimpose, you know, this is a problem with the internet now, right? You say something and everyone exaggerates what it says. We're not talking about communism and this and that. We're talking about collective humanity here, Mm. community. Mm. So... Don't twist words. This mm-hmm. is a stupid thing I find on the internet. So collective harmony over the self-interested ego. And we see this in the East, right? We see because of the holistic cognition, like if you, you know, I always go back to India, if we look at the Dharmic culture, right? The Dharmic culture is built on a collective model. Uh, Confucianism is actually built on a collective yes. model. Yes. Da- obviously, Taoism as well. Yes. And so you don't... You don't uh, see a lot of self-interest mm. and this and that sure we can say that there, there can be certain people in positions of power who can manipulate people mm. this can be the problem with that mm. but it's a problem on with the individualistic cognition as well there's always pitfalls within of course and there's always people who are too overly clever yes and it's up to the population to go hey wait i think that guy's taking us for a ride here <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so you, you don't want to overgeneralize that no 
because there, there will be some people who mm. try to take advantage of mm-hmm. people, yeah. you know, but not all people. Yes. As you, we were talking before the podcast, mm. as, as you, we were talking about Korea, for mm. example, how generally there still is the friendship first philosophy. Yeah, it's still there. I mean, it's still primarily, I would say that friendship-based society is still now. It's just uh, shaped differently, a little bit more in a different way. And they sometimes that relationship gets used to, to cheat on someone and, like for example, in this um, story, it so it happens so common in Korea. Like this, a uh, real estate agent come to uh, somebody, um, just shopping. Um, just really like a, a talking up about this a piece of property and this and that. And that individual really trusted the, again relationship. Oh, this person is really nice person. Is trying to uh, show me a nice a piece of um real estate real estate property and this and that so like give like large chunk of money and the person kind of the, the agent disappears kind of thing mm-hmm. so that's sort of a, a it's overly relationship based so, so somewhat like naive and kind of innocent sort of um motiv- motivation there right mm-hmm. like a reason you really trusted that person the person is showing you the right uh, information and then you're given lots of money and mm. you end up losing all money and it happens a lot uh, again that is kind of um, the other side of uh, coin isn't it yeah. that friendship uh, based again like friendship based uh, relationship being used in the capitalistic world <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it is that's yeah. what that is yeah mm. yeah it's I guess it's you know like I think that I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for any other Westerner. And maybe this is because I've lived in the East for so long and a lot of spiritual practice. Yeah. I do this. This is what I do. Is that I, I often operate from the trust mm. first, friendship first perspective. Yeah. And of course, I get let down when, when someone breaks that trust, right? Like, and I think, well, what, you know, why did that person do that? And, uh, you know, sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't trust. Mm. But then still the... the the operating system still trusts, right? And I think that, that that's probably the same for all of us. We all trust naturally and we all are loyal yes. deep down. But And we all want to be friends deep down. But then when those sorts of clever people come along yeah. and break that yeah. friendship and that trust, yeah. then we start to be skeptical of other people. Mm. And then we start to like confuse past experiences with present experiences and this and that now i don't do that anymore i did that when i was younger but i don't do that anymore i still trust everyone from the get-go yeah but obviously there's always going to be times where people break that trust Mm. and then look that's just what that's that's life right that's Mm. being a human yes so but i think that deep down we we have that operating system and i think if we lean more into it if each and every one of us lean more into it then we can start building really strong bonds with each other mm. instead of looking at the so-called differences and air quotes, yes. which are actually only accumulative mm. knowledge you've acquired through your existence that's become your ego and air quotes. If you get rid of a lot of that, then you start to operate from this real friendship-first yes. philosophy. And, I mean, you can, you can love people more purely. You can really have a warm heart to people even outside of your family. Exactly. See how like, it's particularly in the West, everything is like, we only love our family, you know, and I'm just protecting this family and anyone else in the community is a threat to what my family is. And so I have to protect them at all costs and I don't trust anyone in this community. 
Yeah, too much fear in too it. Too much fear. Mm. Whereas if you go into the East and, and you go into a community, I mean, it's changing now, but like, let's, let's say in older times, the people in the neighborhood are not, you know, not more important than your family, but they're, they're, they're as important in the sense that the community holds the glue mm. of you know, the society together. Mm. Yeah, there is this um, custom in Korea that like, if you just moved into an um, apartment unit or um, in a house in a suburb, that you just uh, get like lots of, you order lots of uh, rice cakes, like, a, mm. like a sweet rice cakes, mm. a traditional kind of um, snack in Korea. And you uh, pack in a nice, nice uh, bag or something, and you give to all the close neighborhood. That's the kind of yep. custom. Like uh, I'm new neighborhood, I just moved in, and um, yeah, let's just if we uh, see each other, we just say hello, and like uh, that's kind of a mm. custom, yep. like in Korea. Again, it's very uh, died out now, yeah. but still, some people are doing it. I've mm. seen, mm. yeah, still people are doing it, which is really beautiful to see actually mm. and you'll be pretty surprised at how many really people in your neighborhood are really actually friendly and really lovely mm. people mm. really welcoming they really appreciate your gesture and next time around they get to see each other in the elevator or something and they say hello and like mm. they become naturally become friends you know yeah that's why naturally you build that bond and trust with the, one another and uh, yeah, you just uh, there's that relationship there yeah. that you're no longer just isolated, um, this uh, living in this house or unit block, and mm. you don't know anyone and yeah. like that, like how it is in the West, really. Mm, yeah, you course. don't even know who's living oh. the next door. We don't know our neighbors. Yeah, ne- never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never seen, seen them. <laughs> never seen our neighbors. We don't know who they are. Yeah, you know, it's it's really sad because I I remember when I was younger. There was a little bit of that in the West, right? And my mum, she was old school, right? So, like, we would get a neighbour, a new neighbour, and we lived in the house and and so in the countryside. And, and so, I mean, it wasn't countryside. I mean, out of town a bit. And she would bake, like, like just a simple cake, mm-hmm. take it over, you know, welcome them. And, yeah. You know, and it builds a bond. Yeah. But I noticed over the years yeah. it stopped. Mm. You know, because I don't know if people were so receptive yes. to this gesture mm. and people are kind of like, why do you want to know me? Mm. You know, this becomes the thing in the West, mm. right? Like, why do you want to know me? What's, what's your angle here? Why, why, are you to- why are you talking to me? There's always people that live in so, so much fear. They think there's always an angle or, or like you're, you're trying to get something from mm. them instead of just like, hey, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just a friendly gesture. Just take it easy. Like. Yeah, that's what I sometimes find it actually with myself that I, when I get to see uh, new people, mm. to say hello and how mm. um, was their um, weekend and Mm-mm. just, uh, you know, ask, mm. saying hello basically. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the reaction is always a little bit cold and hesitant and that's a little bit underlying of why you want to know these things about mm. me yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel really kind of very, they are very standoffish yeah. And I feel really like I feel somewhat rejected, mm. feel a little bit hurtful somewhat. Yeah, yeah. But I feel, yeah, a little bit, um, yeah, sad. It's sad, isn't it? Mm. Like there is no longer even that sort of trust to say even to, to greet each other, really. Yeah. Mm. The sad thing is that particularly like, and people probably listening and watching 
will sympathize with this and probably have experienced this and we've experienced this too is that when you're kind of on the spiritual path or let's say you are a highly intelligent person uh, when this happens right when you know you make gestures and this and that and people don't or, or are always skeptical of what your actions are you begin to withdraw from society this yeah. is a real sad thing right mm. so it's almost like you fall into the hands of the individualistic psychology mm. because in some sense it's a safe strategy too because like you're just like well these people don't care to even respond to me no so why would i even ask how they are and, and this and that so mm. you begin to withdraw and that, and that is a good stra- and that is a reasonable strategy because mm. if no one gives two hoots about you caring about what they're doing they're skeptical of you asking questions you might as well just mind your own business and just get on with your own life you yes, know yeah. and until you can move somewhere else in the east mm. where you can be like that and that's yes. all well and good yeah, yeah. but until that time it's best if you're in the west to probably especially if you're a spiritual or a highly intelligent person is to kind of you, you know it's somewhat just a healthy distance healthy distance because if people are skeptical i mean it's mm. just strange you know like mm. you're only inquiring like you know hey on like how's your weekend and i mean it's just casual chit chat right it's, it's that casual chit chat is kind of in some sense can be frivolous and stupid at times but in some sense whole keeps the bond between two people because it, it's it's a slight gesture that sh- to show that you care you want you you wanted them to have a good weekend you wanted them to be happy and so forth and so on but now people just don't even talk to each other they're just yeah. like whatever man don't talk to me i've got people to argue with on facebook over here so <laughs> true <laughs> you yeah. know so yeah. and so this is uh, all important for friendship first right like and we've got to really hone in on that particularly in the west if we're going to live in a sane and healthy world mm, and i think it's very urgent issue that people need to wake up and try to solve i think yeah. because the world is becoming quite insane in, in a very uh, fast speed I yes think. and and i'd and say to people who are listening and watching is that um instead of wielding your opinion right do this for do this just try this a few times instead of like when you see something instead of like getting emotionally reactive or wielding your opinion is like Listen to the consensus on on an issue, for example, Mm -hmm. and feel out what is good for social harmony rather than individualistic self-interest and your own self-interest. Feel out what is best for social cohesion. Mm. Just uh, try to bring out some more mature element yes. within yourself exactly. we, we all have it exactly we all have it don't go around virtue signaling and, and trying to be politically correct just listen mm. to what the consensus is saying and see what mm. is good for social harmony mm. you can't make everybody happy this is a stupid western perspective they, yeah. they have this perspective where you can make everybody happy you can't mm. it cannot be done no. because people think differently exactly and see in the east there's the acknowledgement that people think differently and I'm secure enough in that understanding and I will allow people to live their own lives according to how they want to live. That's why the community community is in real sense. Yes. Understanding one another, the, the difference. Yes. And they are living with it, they, but they respect each other, opponent. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, like try to like keep your mind clear and keep your mouth shut instead of wielding your opinion. Keep your mind completely clear and keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Because then, you know, 
that's when we can listen to what the world wants or what the world needs. Yes. You know. Yeah, again, that practicing silence within yourself. Yep. Mm. You have become a, you be, in in practicing that. Mm. You become a selfless friend to the entire world. The world doesn't need no more self-interested friends. No. Tired. <laughs> Too tired. <laughs> and actually the greatest friend is a selfless friend. Mm. It's the one who can listen. Yes. It's the one who sympathizes with the situation and, and, and operates from friendship first. Doesn't operate from opinion first, mm. which is where all disagreement and problems and conflict arise from. So I hope all of you guys can apply this friendship first philosophy. This is a very important podcast. We hope you can share it around mm. and we'll see you guys next time.